0: So today we find ourselves slightly in um, sermon purgatory. We're like in the in-between space. Um, If you haven't been here for the last four weeks, we've been doing a series on our vision and our direction for the next season. Um, We are just over two years old as a church, and for the first time, we've been able to grow enough to actually have disposable... Well, not disposable, but like income beyond just keeping our heads above water, which is really nice. And it's meant that it's provoked a chance for us to reflect and think back on who we want to be, what kind of church we want to grow into, what kind of ministries we want to develop in our community. And so we've spent the last four weeks having these conversations together. And we spent a lot of time talking together. I mean, I think I have over a thousand different responses on different topics in different areas that we've been working and collating through. And so genuinely it's been one of the most exciting things is um, on Friday I emailed out kind of the financial reports of the last year as well as the vision and the direction of the church. And there was something really, really lovely for me in being able to email that out thinking 95, 98% of what's in that report has been drawn from us together. This wasn't any hilltop mountains place where I went and came up with the great vision for Golden Sands because I'm the great authoritative leader and I have the answers. I don't I don't know what I'm doing 98% of the time. And so most of this budget is reflected off what we hear together. And so I'm really, really excited about it. Um, and again, if you do have any questions about that budget, please stick around a half an hour after today's service finishes. We'll have a chance to talk about that um, together and get out any questions and any uh, any thoughts you may have, we'd love, genuinely would love to hear from you. So that'll be happening today. But today we find ourselves in purgatory because next week is our AGM where we formally present all this and we talk it through. Uh, And last week was that and we find ourselves in the in-between space. And um, as I was praying about what do we do with this day, I was going through the feedback and I was looking through all the discussions we had and I felt like God kept drawing my attention to one specific area and perhaps a challenge for us today as a church it's been a challenging few weeks so bear with me i'm going to try and kick you in the pants lovingly again one more time but i was a little bit frustrated that i felt god leading me in this direction because today uh, the challenge that we face is one that i am guilty of perhaps more than any others it was a thing that came through our feedback and as we talked about what would make a really great worshiping church? What would make a really effective missional church? What would make a really deep discipling church? What would make a great community church? One feedback came back every single week as a challenge to that. And every single week, we talked about the challenge of busyness. Every week, every week it featured. What's gonna be the challenge to us being engaging in real good mission? Well, the challenge is time. It's just, when do we get the time to do that? We talked about worshiping together. How do we like go deeper with God and experience his presence and live out of that reality? One of the most common bits of feedback was it's really hard to slow down and spend time with God when there's so many other things we need to do. We talked about it with community last week to build good, deep relationships. Those take time. Those take cups of tea. Those take small talk some of you love small talk and some of you hate it, but it takes it. You don't get to community without small talk. And there's this challenge. And so today I was frustrated because I feel like I struggle with this perhaps just as much if not more than anyone else. So as I talk to you about this today, note I talk to you not from here, from a pastor who comes to you with great ethereal wisdom, but I come down to here as someone else is like, yeah, I suck at this too, guys. but maybe in humility together, God might offer us a different way. So I was looking at this challenge of busyness and doing what I do, I love reading, I love research, and I always wanna read what other people are saying about it. And I got into some fascinating sociological data, which I talk about all the time, but I love it, around what are the biggest causes of busyness? Because when you look at busyness, it is a widespread epidemic. I mean, business reviews are talking about it, psychologists are talking about it, um, Silicon Valley has it as a huge focus, schools are trying to work through it, everybody is struggling because we feel so busy. And so some people have done some good work connecting some of the common issues about why are we so busy, and I thought we could explore those together, because sometimes when something's named, you find it helpful to identify it. And again, I'm saying in the things we talk about, I identify with all of them, so yay. Um, ooh that's gone back. Uh, Do you want to check us back to that slide? Perfect. Um, So before we get into the discussion, I do want to acknowledge that one of the core reasons that some people in our community are busy is out of sheer necessity. Um, Sociological data specifically focused in on those who have to work multiple jobs and also balance childcare, you know? And there are, for a very real portion in our community, there are some that to simply survive in the rental rates of Tauranga, it requires multiple jobs and childcare and balancing. And so when some people say they're busy, they truly are busy, because they have to do that in order to feed their kids and their families. And so when I look at that data, this will apply to some of us, but probably perhaps not all of us, and particularly not if we think about, you know, Papamoa has this image of upward mobility, doesn't it? Come build your house. Come live the luxury. And so uh, not all of us will be there, but I want to acknowledge that that is there, and a missional cause of our church will be have to asking questions about how do we break that cycle for people? How, to create, how do we create better rental structures so that people don't have to work 16 jobs and balance childcare just to live? But here's one of the most fascinating reasons why sociologists talk about why we're busy. In all their research they looked at it, they found an interesting trend. See, in the 1800s, people with wealth and status often attributed their wealth and status with material possessions. They would have really, really fancy clothes. They would live in luxurious houses. They would get these goods and items that were incredibly difficult to ascertain, like to grab, and then they would flaunt them to show their importance in society. But researchers note that throughout the Industrial Revolution, and particularly in the last 50 to 60 years, that's changed. The mass production of goods has made like really fancy things available to all of us. I mean, almost everybody in the world now has a smartphone in their pocket. Like this is crazy, a hundred years ago, this would have been the ultimate status symbol, and now this is the thing we let our babies chew on. Because we need to entertain them for a little bit, right? And you think about it, even like Silicon Valley, the big tech giants, some of the richest people in the world, you find them walking around with like, hoodies and jandals, right? So status, like wealth has not become the status symbol and like possessions haven't become the status symbol. Instead, what researchers show is that what has become the new commodity, the new important thing, is our time. We can buy as many things as we want to because we can get it from AliExpress for nothing. But time is finite. And what we find is that heaps of people, business CEOs and all of us, we talk about how we're busy because if we're honest, deep down, it makes us feel important. We feel good about being busy. We wanna be busy. That's like the work ethic in New Zealand, right? Pull yourself up by your bootstraps, get your things done. How are things going for you? Oh, how's, how's work? Oh man, it's busy. Oh, it's busy, busy, busy. How's your week been? Oh, it's busy. Busy, 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 busy. What's been going on in your life? Oh man, life is busy. Busy, 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 busy. And often what researchers tell us is that what we're often doing is saying, oh, I'm important. I'm important, 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 important. I'm I'm very important. I have so many things to do, so many things to do. I'm very, 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 very important. Um, One uh, researcher from Columbia Business School, she says, when I say I'm busy, I convey status, not through what I'm wearing, but by signaling that I'm something that's very scarce. I'm communicating that I'm high status because of the intrinsic value of myself and my human capital, my human work. It's a more sophisticated and nuanced strategy than signaling through products. It's about our intelligence, our inner characteristics. And so often what we find in our culture, just in New Zealand Tauranga culture, is that we pride ourselves on being busy, often. Businesses reward us for being busy. What's the worst thing a boss can see? Someone twiddling their thumbs in the corner, right? So you find more things to do. And the challenge is we imbibe that as an important status symbol. And so we carry that with us. And again, in my shame as I read this research, I can't tell you how many times in that foyer back there, you guys have asked me, how's my week been? And the first word out of my mouth has been, oh, it's been really busy. You've heard me say it. Yes. Yeah. Because I want to feel important. Thank you, Annie. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. But honestly, I read that and I was like, guilty. If I said in my week, actually I had three days where I didn't know what to do, I'd feel really ashamed about that, right? We gain value from busyness. A second thing that plagues us is the digital age that we are in. Nowadays, particularly since the pandemic, the lines between work and leisure have just disappeared. We are working all the time and we're never off, even if we're not doing that much. I mean, our phones are consistently pinging and ringing with different notifications. And does anyone else have emails on their phone? Yeah, yeah, and then you get that email at 11 o'clock at night from that one jerk work person who's still working at that time, and then it pings, and then you're like, ah. Is it a text message from someone I love? I don't know. Yeah, see we're here, that's happening. And this is what happens at 11 o'clock at night, you're supposed to be like relaxing and getting down to sleep, right? But you get a ping, you think, is this pleasure? Is this business? So you open it up and you look at it. It's a work email and suddenly pff, your mind has moved into work mode. You think, should I respond to this? Should I not respond to this? Am I gonna have to black it out of my memory to pretend I didn't read it? But then am I gonna forget about it tomorrow because I read it and now it's not gonna show up in my inbox and then I'm not gonna respond to it? I speak from This is from humility of what happens to me, right? Okay, I'm with you. And the challenge is that even by having our phones and our work with us all the time, we are constantly making decisions. We're constantly having to assess whether this is important or not important. And that decision-making is exhausting. And so when we finish the week, how do we describe our week? Man, it was busy. Did you actually achieve that much in terms of email sent? It actually doesn't matter because mentally you've been on all the time. All the time. Alan Nobles, he talks about it this way. He says, multitasking, it forces us to make millions of tiny decisions. Should I share this article? Should I check that text message? How should I reply to this email? And this wears us out cognitively. The result is that when it comes time for us to make important decisions, we are too exhausted and we're more likely to make mistakes or alternatively, we may avoid making a decision altogether. And when there are almost an infinite number of options, it becomes almost impossible to choose one. Anyone else feel that? You sometimes wonder if the anxiety that is so prevalent in our age and in our community is because we are struggling to constantly make decisions all the time. And so we feel busy because our minds are consistently at work guilty. The final one is often we use busyness as a chance to escape. Because if busyness brings us status and if we're multitasking all the time, it's not uncommon for a daily routine for us to look like. We wake up, our alarm goes. What's the first thing we do? Pick up our phone. And before you know it in your phone, you've opened up either emails or Facebook or Instagram. You've looked at something. And you're like, I'm just using this as a chance to wake up my mind. And so you sit there scrolling. And the effective of us scroll for two minutes. The non-effective of us scroll for not two minutes. right? And then you're you're trying to eat breakfast, maybe you don't eat breakfast because you scrolled for too long. And then you get into your car and then once you're in your car, you're chucking a podcast in to listen to on the way to work because you want your mind to be thinking through something. And so the whole way to work you're thinking through and you're processing something and then you get to work and then you're busy and you're writing your emails, you're writing your emails, you're writing your emails, you have to go to the loo, better take your phone with you because no one can sit on the toilet without their phone, right? I mean, no, you all leave that, no one does that. Right so then you have that with you you know you're in an elevator you're waiting for 5 minutes for something to happen what do you do you get the nervous itch you get the nervous itch you pull it out and you look at it you scroll through something you know it's not it's not coincidental that our facebook twitter and instagram feeds you swipe down like a lottery machine looking for something new rewards the same parts of our brain as dopamine and slot machines. Not a coincidence, right? So you're going through that, busy, busy, busy. You work, you get home, and if you have family, you get home at five, six o'clock, and your kids, bedtime, bedtime. And then while the kids are playing and you're eating, you're probably looking at your phone again, answering emails or thinking about the next day. And you finish that, and then before you know it, you may be time to relax. So what do you do? You sit down in front of the TV because you're like, I'm exhausted. So you watch TV for two hours and you finish TV for two hours, but you don't feel any more relaxed after those two hours because you've not actually rested. You've just focused on something else for two hours and then you finish TV and you're like I'm so tired I'm gonna go crawl into bed so you go crawl into bed you lay down you plug in your phone and then you scroll until you physically cannot keep your eyes open any longer and you fall asleep with your phone in your hand like this and then someone hits you to be like turn off your phone right anyone else no you guys are good Christians that never happens do you know what's common about that system There is never a moment where you have to be alone with yourself. Not a single moment you have to be alone with your thoughts. If you don't want to, you can distract and keep yourself busy 24 hours a day, seven days a week, all the while the inner anxieties are bubbling just below the surface. All the while the relational struggles that we are working through are just sitting there, waiting to explode but they're too terrifying, so it's much easier to get a quick dopamine hit from something that'll keep us busy for a little bit longer. We use busyness often to escape from the existential, deep challenges that we face. And it's not just us, this is our community, this is our world. Tony Crabb, a psychologist, says, we throw ourselves into frenetic activity and give ourselves the perfect excuse for not doing the big thinking stuff. Busyness becomes our existential comfort pill, the refuge from existential angst. And guilty. Now, why do we run through all that? It's because we've spent the last four weeks as a church talking about how God can make everything new. About how God's kingdom is coming here on earth and we believe that it is transforming lives, that he's gonna make Papamoa new so that there are no more lonely people, that the poor are no longer living from day to day, that the lonely are set into families, that mental health finds healing, hope, and restoration. We believe God's doing that. But we all acknowledged that one of the biggest challenges for us to be a part of that is we're too busy for it. I, myself, sometimes feel too busy for it. Because like I mentioned, Worship, prayer, those take time. They take focus. Discipleship, getting asked deep questions. You can't keep hiding the existential dread with busyness when it comes to discipleship, because those are the very things that Jesus wants to talk to you about. Mission, Wynne talked about how the people outside of our walls need love, need care, need our generosity and our service, that does not happen without the time it takes to build relationships with them. That takes time. Volunteering, everybody eats, Akia does that, takes you time every, every, every couple of weeks, doesn't it? Takes time out of your schedule to do it. And if we feel too busy, we'll never do it. Community, it takes time. And here's the challenge that I sat with this as I thought about it this week is that if we want to witness to a different kind of kingdom, if we want to witness to a different kind of gospel, if we want to witness to a Jesus that actually transforms and makes things new, and brings in a different kind of life, thinking in the language of Revelation, if we want to leave digital Babylon and discover the new Jerusalem of the kingdom of God, then perhaps we might need to leave one of the idols of Babylon behind. The challenge for Christians in our time is to speak of the gospel in a way that unsettles listeners, that conveys the transcendence of God, that provokes contemplation and reflection, and that reveals the stark givenness of reality. And if we are constantly busy, we will never do that. Because if anyone who looks at our life, our life will look exactly the same as we live a frenetic pace, same as everybody else. How different this is from the way the kingdom of God talks about effective work. How different this is from the way that Jesus begins to model effective witness or effective building in the kingdom of God. I mean, Psalm 127 says to the people of Israel, unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the guards stand watch in vain. In vain you rise up early and you stay up late toiling for food to eat for he grants sleep to those he loves. We set busyness as this idol that gives us importance, that distracts us, that holds back the existential dread, that gives us a feeling of like we're doing something. But God says the whole time, the effectiveness is not based on how well you're performing. God does not need a bunch of A-type personalities effectively running and time scheduling all their times that we can do it all perfectly. That's not what God needs to transform the kingdom. Eugene Peterson said The metaphors Jesus used for the life of ministry are frequently images of the single, the small, and the quiet, which have effects far in excess of their appearance salt, yeast, or leaven, and seeds. Our culture pub- publicizes the opposite emphasis it's the big, the multitudinous, the noisy it's then a strategic necessity that we deliberately ally ourselves with the quiet and the poised and not the rushed and the frenzied. Finally, Jesus said to his disciples, after they worried and stressed and were busy trying to do all these things, he says, so do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. The challenge for us, church, it's not to suddenly be more efficient with your time, although you may need to do a bit of that. It's not just to squeeze one more thing in because that's what you're meant to do. That's not what the sermon is about. This is an opportunity for us to stop and reflect on the whole system. What values are we living by? What idols are we shaping our lives around? Because again, I wanna come back to the feedback we've gotten for the last four weeks. We've talked about some incredible things that if we pull them off, I would love to be a part of that church. I mean, a church that has prayer. Oh, honestly, still favorite part of every morning is going up there into that prayer room and praying with them. The group of people that come in at 9.30 every week to pray, (sighs) how lovely would it be if people met with us, and rather than a spirit of busyness and freneticness, they encountered peace as people of prayer. Discipleship, man, I would love to have the long, deep, in-depth discussions about what's going on in your life, and I would love to be a part of a church that's not afraid to have those conversations. Mission, goodness, we have so many opportunities around us. We've talked about youth. Youth was one of the top figures that we recognize that there is deep need. The reality is that if we don't find a way to give our time to our youth, not just employ someone to take care of them, if we don't have space to give ourselves to them, we will not be effective in the mission that God has called us to, church. We won't. It requires a pause. And a rethink and now again i'm going to draw this to a close i don't say this here from a point of great authority nor do i come trying to bring shame upon you because of all those things i feel like the chief sinner amongst us so instead what i wanted to do today was invite an opportunity for us to just stop and just reflect on the pace of our lives reflect on the values by which we are living and now some of us are working 60-hour weeks because that's all that we can do and i understand that but even in those 60 hours how do we carve out spaces where we can meet with god honestly for some of us it may require a technology fast for a season it may mean you might need to go to a burner phone for a bit it may mean you need to put your phone into a box when you get home and don't pick it out till the following morning. It may need to mean you need to buy yourself a real alarm clock, if that's what it takes. You did that. There you go. You put your phones out at night and you have an alarm clock. It's huge. Thinking through creative ways so that we can begin to live by a different kingdom. Because that's the goal. It's not about becoming less busy just to be less busy. It's about living in the kingdom of God as opposed to the kingdom of Babylon. And so what we're going to do is I'm going to just play a song just over the speakers. And it's a song written from Psalm 23, a psalm that talks about the good life that God brings us. And it starts with, God is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. He leads me beside still pastures, and calm, quiet waters, he restores my soul. That's the pace of life that God wants us to go at. And remember, Jesus's ministry, how fast did it go? At the speed that he walked, which is much slower than how we live our lives. So I'm gonna play this song and I wanna give you a chance to just reflect and pray and be in your own space with God. Ask, how are you doing on this? Do you live? in busyness to one of those things? sense of importance? Are you trapped by the digital age? Do you use it to hide and escape from the things that you're afraid of? And I pray that as the song plays, you'll have a chance for God to speak to you about a different way of being.